growing a company at scale. We're speaking with Rishi Dave, who is the chief marketing officer of Vonage. Tell us about Vonage. It's a B2B SaaS communications company, providing both applications for communications, as well as uh, an API platform where companies can code in voice, video, messaging, et cetera, communications into whatever applications they're developing. In this growth period that you're in and in this period of transformation, maybe a good place to start is what is the role of marketing in, in achieving those goals? When you're in markets that are growing you know, 20, 30%, and some of our markets are going 50%, um, marketing is fundamental to driving that growth and driving share. The way I like to think about it and, and what we're doing is, you know, we're thinking first and foremost, what is our corporate strategy as a whole um, to really drive in these, these, these fast growth markets? And then what marketing strategy will help drive that, both from a kind of high level perspective, when you talk about brand, as well as just hardcore tactical operations, demand gen, et cetera. And then how do you create the ability to be incredibly agile in these hypergrowth markets that are constantly changing. Well, I guess that kind of begs the question, how, how should marketers, what can marketers do in order to be agile as their company is changing and as the markets are changing and as consumer expectations around them are also changing? Agility is the fundamental challenge um, when you're in these hypergrowth markets and when you're trying to transform. So, you know, from my perspective, you know, it, it all starts with kind of what's the fundamental strategy for the company. And you know, when you're in these markets that are growing so much and you're trying to transform and be agile, you know, what you find is that marketing has as much of a seat, of it, a seat at the table and is driving um, that corporate strategy as much as anyone else in the company because your go-to-market strategy, sales and marketing, is kind of what you lead with when you're in a hyper-growth market. That's really how you differentiate yourself. Now, the way you drive agility is first and foremost, you have to kind of create the right culture within marketing where people have to feel comfortable that you're never going, you're never going to have stability. Um, we're constantly changing, we're constantly reorganizing, we're constantly you know, adjusting our operations based on how the markets are changing, um, how, how the, um, companies changing, how our competitors are changing, uh, because both our competitors are very agile, the technology is changing, um, communications is fundamentally changing every day, and so we have to be agile. So whenever we create a process or um, anything within uh, marketing, we fundamentally look at agility first. So let me give you a quick tactical example. You know, many times we think of marketing technology and we put that into a technology bucket. Uh, where you know we do an evaluation, we bring in a technology, and we keep it there for a long time. I have a, we have a very different approach. You know, we look at marketing technology like you look at a stock portfolio. You know, it's SaaS. You know, you are constantly bringing in great technology. If something, and then what's working, you scale. What doesn't work, you kind of get rid of it and bring something else in. And you have to constantly bring that agility in because not only is your company and market changing, but the technology is changing and evolving as well. And so in every single process and every single org design, fundamentally, we want 
people, process, and 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 technology. That's fundamental. Fundamental piece of that is agility. You said that you build agility in. I find that a very interesting statement. How do you go about doing that? One thing that I think we frequently don't talk enough about when we talk about the marketing function and we talk about CMOs in general is the need for operational excellence. You know, we don't talk enough about operational excellence when we talk about marketing. We talk about, you know, strategy, brand, lead gen, digital transformation, all of that. But when you need to design for agility and uh, transformation, you have to be you have to design for operational excellence. And so when you say, you know, how do we do that? You know, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we build operations, how we measure it, how we collect data, how we get responses very quickly, not just from outside our company, but also inside, like salespeople, people on the front line, et cetera, and how we build that into the process fundamentally um, when we do things, and how we put operational excellence principles into every single one of those processes. I recall on this show speaking with Kim Stevenson, who, who at that time was the chief information officer at Intel. And she used that exact, that same phrase. She said, you know, the first thing IT needs is to begin with operational excellence. And so when you talk about operational excellence, can you describe the components of, of, of what that is? The old adage, people, process, technology. And so, um, and I would add one more to that, which is data and analytics. Um, so for example, the entire BI and analytics function here at Vonage, whether for marketing or not for marketing, all sits centralized under marketing. Because data and analytics is a fundamental piece of that operational excellence. So, um, so, so, so that, that's how I think about um, operational excellence in kind of those four components. So therefore, what are the implications for you as you're designing your marketing programs and you're doing your hiring and all the various things, the activities, the operations that you do? Yeah, you know, we want to be data-driven. And so, so there's a few fundamental things that I think about when I think about data. Uh, one is you want to have a clean, integrated data set. And so first and foremost, you know, we focused on that. Because if you don't have data, you can't make decisions and you can't optimize your operations. Secondly, you want the right analytics on top of that data. Now, this is where it directly answers your question on people. So once you build the right analytics that are driving the right insights, then what I think about from a people perspective is how do I embed those insights into the day-to-day -day processes of the people who have to use them, which is a piece of operational excellence that not enough people talk about. Right? They always talk about the sexy stuff, like AI and all that stuff. They don't talk about the dirty stuff, like clean data. And they don't talk about how do you create operations and processes where you're embedding those insights into the day-to-day -day lives of the people who have to action it, who are not necessarily um, you know, thinking about technology or data in every part of their lives. So let me give you an example. Um, salespeople. Um, I, want this, I want the salespeople to decide what accounts they go after, what accounts they call, based on not just kind of their gut feeling, although that does play a role, but also based on what um, the accounts that we are seeing based on real-time analytics, both outside the company, as well as analytics that we have on them, based on who they are, and et cetera. 
and we want them to look at account lists, look at how we prioritize them, and then go after the highest opportunity at any given moment. Now, in order to do that, you know, we can't just give them a bunch of analytics and say, go forth. We have to simplify it, we have to embed it in the tools that they use every day, like their CRM. We have to make it simple, like here's your gold list, here's your silver list, here's your bronze list, here's what you say, here's what we've told them already, et cetera, and really help them optimize their time to go after the right accounts to drive productivity. So that's a you know, great example of how we drive that operational excellence um, from a people, process, and technology perspective. So a lot of what you're talking about is in effect the change management of gradually of setting the goals and gradually leading people to approach the various functions, parts of marketing based on the coordinated strategy that you're putting together. Absolutely. And you make a great point that I don't want people to forget is that um, you know, that example was kind of more of an operational tactical example, but you know, I think of it almost like a pyramid um, where you have to start first and foremost from your corporate strategy. Um, and the corporate strategy is all about um, who you are, how you're different, and how you win. You know, one of our board members said a great thing to me, um, gave me a great piece of advice. You know, he said, look, you know, when you develop your corporate strategy, um, don't just, you know, look at the day-to-day why you win. Um, and, and look at the themes and then do more of that. It's very simple in some ways. It's not, don't just look at why you lose, but look at why you win. Because you can lose for multiple reasons, but there's a f- handful of reasons why you win. So you start with the corporate strategy, then you kind of develop the marketing strategy. That drives your brand strategy, and then that drives your kind of activation, operations, lead gen strategy. And then you have all that underlying enablement capabilities under that. We have a couple of questions from Twitter, and I'm just going to take them in order. Sal Rasa asks, as you were developing and adjusting these operational principles, what what surprises emerged? What surprised you? When you're trying to change things, you actually still have to run your day-to-day business. And and, And I was surprised by the complexity of balancing those two. So, so it's almost like right now there's two buckets of activity. One is what I call run the business, which is what, you know, hit those pipeline numbers, hit those growth numbers every single day, um, hit those numbers. But then there's these whole set of initiatives, which are change to business initiatives, um, which are all about, okay, you know, are we allocating our dollars correctly? You know, what is our marketing technology strategy? Does it need to change? Does our, does, does our um, you know, do we need to change the way we approach digital, et cetera? And so that's what surprised me the most is that complexity in, in balancing change the business and run the business. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's a tough thing to balance. Um, and, and, you know, it never ends either uh, because when you're in a high growth market that's changing so much, you have to learn how to drive a steady state where those two things are constantly in motion. How do you drive a steady state when you're being pulled in two very different directions? On the one hand, you're being pulled, everything around us is changing and we need to be agile, to use your term, and fast. And at the same time, we cannot disrupt 
our existing lines of business and customers. And so we need to keep things the same, right? I, th I, I sort of have this image of like the angel and the devil on your shoulders, you know, one of them saying, Rishi, you have to be agile and fast. Rishi, you, ha you can't, you can't, you have to be stable and stay the same. <laughs> it is brutal. <laughs> uh, it, I, that's all I can say is it is probably, in my opinion, uh, one of the most difficult things that I deal with day to day. And I'm a little biased here, but it is why the CMO job is so hard compared to all the other C-levels. Okay, I'm biased, but that's what I believe, um, is because you know um, people look at the CMO or the marketing department as both, especially when you're in a hyper-growth B2B tech environment. Um, anything that's like that's not working, go to marketing. You know, you have to kind of change that. But anytime day to day we're off on revenue, again, marketing pipeline, etc. Um, so to answer your question directly, there's no easy answer. Um, what what I have tried to do is um, it kind of goes back to that you know planning strategy and then activation from a from a top down strategy perspective. You know, I try to be, or we try to be as clear as possible in terms of what are the change the business initiatives that we're focused on at the moment, and what are the run the business numbers that we have to hit, and how are we doing that, and who is responsible for that. Secondly, I have loosely organized my uh, marketing organization around that, where I have, um, you know, for the different product groups that we have, I have leaders who are responsible for delivering the run the business metrics. But I also have centralized organizations who are functionally very strong, who are kind of, to some degree, helping them run the business, but also have people in there who are managing change the business projects as well. And so to a certain extent, my organization is set up to handle that, but it's, you still have that conflict day to day. I would imagine that this also comes into play as you're making investment decisions of where, where to allocate resources for marketing. People don't realize that when you change the business, it could use money, but it could also generate money. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you, you know, for example, like if you kind of find that you can consolidate your technology around key processes that you know are working and are scaling, you know, that frees up money that you can use for run the business or the next experiment that you do and change the business. So, you know, I, I think of it as, um, you know, of course I have a budget that I'm given, but I, I think a lot about, okay, change the business will be both a user of cash and a generator of cash. Uh, run the business is almost always a generator of cash unless things aren't working. And so you have to, as a CMO, you have to balance those initiatives. Um, and balance how you manage your budget that way as well. But, uh, but people you know, frequently think it's a fixed amount and you have to allocate dollars. You can find dollars too. Um, that's the benefit of a fast-changing environment is that it sometimes uses money, sometimes you know, when things are not working or when something has changed, you don't need to attack a, a certain market or a certain way anymore. You can stop that, generate money, and then put it someplace else. It's not just expenditure, but it is actually investment. Absolutely. We have another couple of questions from Twitter. And earlier you were talking about the role of data. And Jeffrey Rosenberg is asking, 
what is your perspective on the role of qualitative insights in this world that is so now data focused? Qualitative insights are just as important um, and not any less important. Um, and let me give you a few examples. Um, so when you talk about, the, let's take the example I gave earlier on you know, prioritizing accounts using analytics, real-time analytics and what we know about the account and what we're seeing. At the same time, you know, we seek qualitative insights from you know, our customers but also our salespeople, right? Because they're on the front lines every day talking to customers, they know their markets, et cetera. So what we found is if you do just analytics, but you don't bring in the expertise of the salespeople and the experiences of the salespeople, um, then, then it becomes academic and not very practical. You bring in the quality, you know, we work with sales leaders in addition to looking at the analytics to determine whom we go after. And so you have to bring in the qualitative analytics. Secondly, and this is probably what the, the, the questioner was asking more about, is um, qualitative research um, actually adds a lot of color and value to the quantitative research. And sometimes when we're trying to do quantitative research, we'll do qualitative research first to even understand what type of questions we should ask in quantitative research or validate. So you have to balance um, the two together. Um, and also with qualitative research, you get a lot of nice um, nuances. And sometimes the most breakthrough ideas come through the qualitative research um, where something unexpected is said that kind of you, know, you can key off of. And so you have to do both together. You know, everybody says, well, it's the data that, that matters. When you're trying to convince like the board of a decision or you know, the CEO of a decision or a customer you know, to do something, what, 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 what I find is that that emotional storytelling sometimes is much more powerful and that kind of visceral, like here's what customers said to us, um, that's more powerful than any quantitative data um, that you could have. And so you have to balance the two. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and the other thing is that, you know, we live in such a quantitative data-driven world that bringing in that qualitative human aspect actually makes things more powerful in some ways. So we have another question from Twitter. And Guts Beckdash is asking, how do you, how do you compete as a service provider with apps? We are actually an apps provider. So um, we don't, we're not a service provider um, as we've historically been. Um, we are actually a B2B SaaS applications provider. Um, so, so we provide you know, two types. So, you know, one is we have SaaS applications uh, for things like uh, unified communications, a call center um, as a service, and then we have a API platform where the largest enterprise in the world kind of code in our APIs to enable their applications to um, provide capabilities like voice, video, um, two-factor authentication, et cetera, et cetera. And so at this point, we're actually a, a SaaS software provider versus a service provider. Although, although there's a service component of it, of course. So, so your, your business has changed a lot over the years since the company was founded. It absolutely has. It absolutely has. I mean, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've 
evolved tremendously. So um, this is part of the marketing challenge: is that you, know, you may you know, your audience may remember what Vonage used to be, which was a um, consumer VoIP company um, with incredibly interesting, innovative ad advertising, um, breakthrough pricing and creative, et cetera, and really kind of upended an entire industry. We're doing it again. Um, we've evolved through acquisition as well as just plain organic growth to be a true 100% best-in-class B2B SaaS provider for communications and APIs, and we've kind of integrated that all together. Well, let's use that as a way of jumping into customer experience because as a SaaS provider, it's pay as you go. And so you live and die on the basis of customer experience and customer satisfaction. And so what are the factors that you think about and what drives customer experience? We think of it as, um, you know, it's the subtotal of the total experience the customer has with us not just with marketing, not just with sales, but also post-sale, customer support, billing, et cetera. We have a lot of work to do. Um, most companies do, and we're no exception, because uh, you know, the expectation of customers is raise, rising every single day, and that's a massive challenge for any SaaS company, ours included. Um, but, but that's very much how we look at it. And then you know, going back to kind of what I had said earlier, you know, we let, you know, how do you prioritize that when there's so many touch points? You know, we try to leverage research and data as much as we can and try to derive kind of core insights that tell us, you know, what's working well and let's double down on that and what's not working and, and help prioritize what experience principles uh, we focus on because you have to be very focused. But um, absolutely, we think about that. And then obviously, you know, we have a bias, because we talk to customers about customer experience too, is that ultimately, when you think about, and this is why I'm excited about this industry that we're in now, is that customer experience ultimately is about communications nowadays. And that's kind of how we think about the, the industry that we're in now, is that if, if customer experience is all about communications, how do you create a highly customized communications experience leveraging apps and APIs for your customers based on who you are and what, what customers want. And that's, that's what we're very focused on. What are the components of doing that? First and foremost, it's um, how do, what's the customer journey? Um, how do they want to experience, consume, learn about what you do, both on your site, off your site, with your salespeople, in the market, review sites, et cetera. So we try to understand the customer journey and what the customer um, wants and the customer of today and the customer of tomorrow and as, as that evolves. Um, and so that's a critical component. Then we think a lot about, okay, how do we create experiences or capabilities um, that, that enable a customer to accelerate around that journey and obviously come to us? And you know, the, because the expectation of the customer has changed so much. So it's not just about calling into your call center, it's not just about any one communication channel, but it's about every communication channel, whether it's your mobile app, your website, your online chat, um, calling into and uh, calling in, um, et cetera. Um, you know, we, want, we think a lot about how do we integrate those interactions, how do we make sure that um, we're wherever customers wanna go, and how do we make sure we, every one of those interactions is optimal. 
So for example, you know, we don't want to, when they call us, and this is, we, we, we're still working on this, but we don't want to put them through this massive, complex IVR. You know, we have analytics, we have uh, um, AI, we can actually you know, know who they are based on their CRM and then create a personalized experience even when they call in. And so, so, so these are, you know, we're constantly thinking about these things because you know, when you think about customer experience, um, it's not, you know, we've done research on customer experience in general, and what's interesting is you know, clearly they think about three things, customers think about three things. One is, did I get done what I wanted to get done, right? Number one. Number two, um, was it, could I do it fast? No obstacles. But number three, which surprised us, but actually is very interesting, is how did it make me feel? Right? How did I feel about that experience? And so you, know, you have to think about all three of those things. So it does matter you know, um, what, a, what a person says on the phone, um, what they say in a chat, how they experience your app. It's not just about getting it done as soon as possible, but it's also about giving them a, a positive feeling about your company and brand. You're, you're talking in terms that we typically think about business to consumer, but you're a B2B company, and yet you're talking in, in this way about how you feel, how the customers feel about us. Yeah, it's interesting because what we're finding is that um, customers, they don't compare us always to our competitors. I mean, of course they do, but like, from, they do obviously when they're mid to bottom of the funnel and they're kind of trying to find a provider, but you know, when, they're, when they think about their experience, in particular, they're not thinking about their experience versus necessarily our competitors. They're thinking about their experience with us compared to their best experience they have, which is often a consumer experience. Netflix, Amazon, Apple, et cetera. And so we have to kind of, and we're, and, and we're, not, I mean, we're not even close, but we have to kind of think about that as a comparison point and elevate our experiences to that point. And that's kind of the aspirational goal that I have. We have another question from Twitter. Evan Kerstell is asking, so in such a competitive market, how do you retain that edge? And I'll just say, let's focus it on customer experience. How do you stand out in such a competitive landscape? You have to understand what your differentiation is and articulate it clearly to your customers. Um, and, and, and I would say those are kind of the two biggest things. And then I would say the third thing actually is getting that to your customer um, or prospect in the way they want to get that information. And so, so I would say those are kind of the three key principles. And again, you know, we have, we were, we're very focused on as we're transforming those kind of three things and how do we really get better and better at them. Another dimension of transforming marketing is the ability for marketing to work across different parts of the company and shape what the company is doing and be influenced by other parts of the company. And so how do you think about the relationship with other business leaders inside the organization? It's a great question. And uh, another reason why I'm gonna bring my bias in, the, CM, the CMO and the marketing jobs is you know, the hardest jobs on the planet. Um, <laughs> I'm biased. Um, you know, marketing can't achieve anything without the support um, and the partnership of the broader organization. Whether it's um, the sales organization, 
uh, we have to partner extremely closely to make sure that we're driving that go-to-market engine in an optimal way, whether it's with the product organization to make sure that you know, the product organization and we are articulating, evolving, um, talking about marketing the products in the optimal way, the solutions, et cetera. It's the finance organization ensuring that we're allocating capital correctly um, and the dollars correctly against the optimal strategy. It's the strategy, it's everyone. And so marketing by itself cannot be successful uh, without strong partnerships with the rest of the organization. And so you know, we try to invest a lot in building um, those strong partnerships, um, not you know, both at the executive level, but also at the kind of day-to-day um, process level as well. So when I talk about operational excellence, it, I would be wonderful if it, could, if it was just within marketing, but that's, that's not the easy part, but the easier part. It's also marketing and the rest of the organization. What are the kind of metrics that marketing is evaluated on uh, that you see among your peer CMOs in other companies and also at Vonage? How do you demonstrate the value of marketing, I guess is the question. What I see for ourselves, but also when I talk to CMOs, ultimately there's kind of practical and there's kind of emotional. So practical is, you know, are you generating the revenue and the closed sales that, that we need to generate to achieve our numbers. So there's that component, which is a very practical one. Um, now notice, you know, I talked about sales and not pipeline. Now pipeline is obviously something that we look at, but ultimately what matters is closed sales. Um, you know, I can generate a whole bunch of leads, but if they don't generate closed sales, then it doesn't really matter. And that's where that strong partnership with sales comes in. So are we closing the right amount of sales, especially in these hyper-growth markets? So that would be a big one. Um, the second one is, uh, you know, clearly, are we um, driving our brand perception? Uh, so, so, so that's kind of, the, the, the first numbers tell you how you're doing now. Um, your brand perception um, kind of helps you, helps tell the story of where you're going. And that's a big opportunity for us because we have a challenge there that, um, you know, a challenge of kind of, we had the Vonage business where we started you know, billions of dollars of market, billions of dollars of commercials were spent on that, and that's kind of what's in people's heads. There's benefits to that because everyone knows us. A lot of people love us. They love the innovation. They love the, the you know, they, they, we have high top of mind awareness. But then we have to change the perception of who we are, and so we are working a lot on how we do that. And we have another question from Twitter, uh, going back to the customer experience. This is an interesting one. So you've grown by M&A in uh, diverse lines of businesses and areas. How do you manage different customer experiences? Uh, do you even try to develop a common customer experience? What do you, how do you manage that? We have very different customer types. And I would say um, the two biggest are developers um, who, who are kind of our customer persona for our API platform, which is a big business that's growing super fast and the market's growing super fast as well. And so, you know, obviously developers are very different versus, um, you know, business decision makers um, who are kind of, uh, you know, who are kind of looking at things differently. And so I would say at a highest level, we, we can't create a common experience because developers are just fundamentally, they're, they're looking at things differently, they operate differently, um, the way they kind of quote unquote buy or use APIs is very different versus somebody who's kind of buying a SaaS subscription. 
And so we do kind of split the experience amongst uh, between those two. Um, and then the sub-segments under that, but that's kind of broadly how we would split it. So you, 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 you know, it, it depends on your business. Rishi, as we finish up, what advice do you have for marketers who are in a changing environment in order to drive the kind of results that you've been talking about? The biggest advice and the biggest challenge that I'm finding is uh, culture. It is difficult. It is hard. It is hard for me. It's hard for my organization. Um, and I hear it every day from my organization on just how difficult it is to be in this environment that's under constant change and these markets that are in hyper growth. Now, you know, it's exciting. That's why we're all here. But day to day, it's hard. And so, you know, um, one of the things, you know, one of the things I think that's critical to think about is um, how do you create a culture? How do, you, how do you create stability to the extent that you can? And how do you get the right people in place so that we can all kind of together as a team handle this hyper-changing environment? You know, it's really exciting, right? It's really, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than being in a market that has a huge future and is growing at a you know, super high rate. That's super exciting. But it, every day is, is, you know, sometimes it's hard and you have those moments. And so I think the number one piece of advice I'd give is, is, is culture, culture, culture. So talent management then and finding the right people is a core part of how you're spending your time, it sounds like. Yes, but not enough. I need to do, I, I, I need to do, a, be, I need to do a better job because you know, it's, it's hard. Again, this is why the CMO and the marketing, uh, marketing department is the hardest job in a company because we have to do the run the business, we have to change the business, and we have to also drive our culture um, and work as a team. And we've brought in companies through acquisitions as well. And so it, it's, it's exciting um, and we have a very unique position in the marketplace that nobody else has um, that excites our customers and prospects, but then you know, we have to, I never feel like we're doing enough, but, we probably, yeah, but, but, but we're making good progress. You've been kind of talking around this, but what are the obstacles or the challenges that CMOs can expect to face when trying to drive change such as we've been discussing? Lots, <laughs> lots. Uh, one is that, um, how do you bring your organization, your peers, and your board on the transformation journey that you're going on? Um, and, and, and the challenge is that it's not just about here's the answer, it's about here's the insight that's driving the answer, and that is constantly changing. And so you know, bringing all the constituencies along on this journey is um, a big challenge. Um, leadership is extremely hard um, in this type of environment. Super exciting, but hard. Because um, you know, how do you constantly you know, talk to your organization? How do you communicate change? How do you address kind of you know, the, the exhaustion, but the excitement, these exciting environments that we're in? Um, you know, how do you listen to feedback and act on it quickly? All those kind of things. Another kind of big challenge. Um, and then the third challenge I would say is, um, you know, back to the first topic, operational excellence, is that uh, you know that's hard to do, um, and and so that's that's a kind of a big piece as well, because you know sometimes having good operations in place um, helps with everything else. As we finish up, final advice on how to build that kind of 
operational excellence? What are the challenges? I know we're just about out of time, but how do you, how, what do you do? <laughs> the, the key thing is communication because it's, it, ta it takes time. Um, and, and so being very open, honest, and direct with especially the marketing organization, but also everyone else is probably the biggest thing that you can do. So the communication uh, and being sure that people understand what you're trying to do, where you're going, and then getting them on board. Absolutely. Absolutely. And realizing that it's a, it's a journey. Well, Rishi Dave, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rishi Dave. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at Vonage. Before you go, please do subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the CXO Talk newsletter. We have great shows coming up and we will see you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much for watching.